And Lord, we do just praise you that you are the great conqueror. And that because of you, that you say that in Christ, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we thank you, Lord, for the victory and the life that we have in Jesus. And tonight I pray that as we consider your word, that, Lord, you would speak to us, that you would minister to our hearts, that you'd give insight and understanding, and that you would just be over all of this uh, time that we would spend together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We can go ahead and grab a seat. And um, as the lights are coming up, if you would, uh, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of two places, Acts chapter 2, mark your place there, and then find your way to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So Acts chapter 2, mark your place there, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, If you are... New to uh, our Wednesday night service, I um, want to welcome you. We're doing something a little bit different tonight. This is what we call First Things First, and um, on this night, we kind of, you see, we bring everything off the stage and down here onto the floor and a little bit more of an intimate setting. Um, for one reason, we want to be able to hear um, each other, and so... Um, But what we've been doing this whole um, year on these first things first nights is um, the Lord kind of really put it on our hearts to be very intentional in our time that we would spend in the word on these nights. And our studies on these nights are a bit shorter than usual. Um, And we were going to be intentional in focusing on um, what the Bible refers to as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And looking at each one of these gifts and talking about their place and how they relate to us as a church and as Christians living today and how they relate to us in the body of Christ. And um, so I want to read here in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 1, down through verse 11. And uh, this is what we have been looking at. And let's just kind of refamiliarize ourselves because it's been a couple months since we've uh, looked at this. Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sisterin, um, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And here's where he starts talking about the gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all and in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy and to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we've looked at this 
beginning in January, we've been taking each, each month one of these different gifts to consider. And I want us to just kind of re- re-familiarize ourselves with some of the big ideas here in 1 Corinthians 12. The first we see right in verse 1 where he says, do not be ignorant. And, you know, this is something that it's interesting that this is something that the church is very ignorant about today um, is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are some in the church today who say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. And um, they argue that one of their big arguments is now that we have the whole canon of Scripture or the complete Bible, we have the complete New Testament, which they didn't have when Paul was writing this to the Corinthians, that we no longer have a need for these gifts of prophecy and wisdom and and that type of thing. But I personally, I don't believe that at all. In fact, it's interesting, the church in Corinth was a church that Paul mentions in the very beginning of the book, he says that they were prevalent in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we also learn that they were using them in the wrong way. And when Paul writes to them, he doesn't write to them to say, you know, hey, guys, you know, you need to quit using these. And, and you know, as soon as the Bible gets finished written, you know, these aren't going to be necessary anyway. He doesn't say that at all. But instead, he gives them instructions about how these gifts are to function in the church. Another thing that we note is that he mentions that there are, in verse 4, a diversity of gifts with the same Spirit. And in verse 5, a diversity of functions but the same Lord. And he also tells us what the purpose of the gifts are in verse 7. Notice it again. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That's the purpose. So that the body can be built up. So that the body of Christ can be encouraged. And then we also see the sovereignty of the Spirit in the distribution of the gifts in verse 11. Where he says, but one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So it's the Holy Spirit, who the very Spirit of God, who distributes the gifts at the time. And remember, we talked about what's the best gift? Well, it's the gift that is the, the one that is the most needed for the situation that is at hand. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, is he distributes he, he, the, these gifts in settings like this, or to believers as they're going about their day. And these are all things that we've talked about in our previous studies, and I believe all of these are available um, on our website if you wanted to look at them. And there's also some more in-depth studies on the gifts if you just typed in 1 Corinthians 12 that would come up. So we've looked at all the gifts mentioned here but two. The last two, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And the gift of tongues is probably the most controversial and the most understood of these gifts. And for that reason tonight, I'm going to give a little bit more time to our time in the Word than we normally do on a first things first. Normally we spend about 15 minutes. Tonight I'm probably going to double that. Um, I want us to look at, first of all, a definition of the gift of tongues and, and first mention what it's not. It's not the ability to pick up language quickly. That's not what the gift of tongues is. It's not 
Um, you know, there are those, I know people who have a great ability. You know, they go on the mission field. I know some friends who are missionaries and they've gone to places like Russia or Hun- Hungary or Yugoslavia. And all of those places are some of the hardest dialects to learn. And they have picked them up just like that. That's not the gift of tongues. That is a gift of being able to discern and learn languages, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. So what is it? Speaking in tongues is speaking in a language through the ability of the Holy Spirit that you did not naturally acquire. It's not something that you learned. It's not something that you know. It's the ability to worship God and to pray in a language that you have not naturally learned. It's not learned, but it's given. And most of the time, if not all the time, you don't know what it is. You don't know what the language is. I know some people say, you know, I think, I don't know what my spiritual language is, but I think it's, you know, kind of a, of, of the Orient. It, it sounds a little maybe Chinese or Japanese to me, you know, type of a thing. And sometimes they can, you know, they meet somebody that can speak that and say, you know, here's some words that kind of, you know, I kind of, part of my prayer language that come up frequently and they'll go, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. Because they know they're speaking Japanese or they're speaking Chinese or they're speaking Portuguese or, you know, something like like that. So that's what it is. It's this it's a, a ability through the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. And I'll explain a little bit, you know, just kind of hang on to that definition. We'll come back to it and kind of explain how it works um, in just a little bit. But just want to kind of get the, the parameters out. And, that, and I want us to look um, now here's where I want you to turn. Keep your place in First Corinthians, but turn to Acts 2. And I want us to look at an example of And this is really the first place in the Bible where the gift of tongues occurs. It's on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We read this. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place, speaking of the disciples, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now, this is a rare appearance. We don't read of this happening again. But on this particular day, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, it was like the Lord really wanted them to understand that, you know, something new was happening. So there's these kind of divided tongues, these fire that are above their heads. And then it says... Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's a key phrase. That this was something the Holy Spirit was directing. He was giving them utterance. Verse 5 says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Note that. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. In other words, his own dialect. So there's all these different Jewish people from all over the Middle East, from every nation, he says, that have come to Jerusalem for, for Passover and for Pentecost. And, and uh, as this, the Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples and they start speaking in tongues and there's this right mighty rushing wind it draws a crowd 
And as these guys come, they're, they're listening and they're hearing you know, the apostles and they're speaking in these languages and they recognize them. It's the languages from the, play, from the, the countries of where they were born. Verse 7. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then he gives a list there of of the background and languages that were represented. And I want you to skip down to verse 11. And he says, And we hear them speaking in our in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So here's what's happening. The disciples received this gift to speak in this unknown language. Now they had no idea what they were saying. They had no idea what they, the languages that they were speaking. But it was the Holy Spirit had impressed upon them. And suddenly they were speaking in these unknown languages. But there's a great insight here that I want you to note. Is it says that the tongues were being uttered. And they were directed to God in the form of praise. Look at verse 11 again. They said we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They were speaking forth praise. They were declaring the wonderful, the awesome works of God. And it's for that reason that I believe that this is really the the dominant nature of the gift of tongues is it's that of praise and worship in the Spirit. It's proclaiming the goodness of God. That's primarily used in praise. Now, there will be those that you can read, some good Bible teachers, and they'll, they'll, and this is, I want to just say this. This is often what happens. Because in the church, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there has been a lot of abuse. We'll see at the end of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians that Paul says, let all things be done decently and in order. And some people... In some churches and some church groups, they read the let all things be done. And that's what happens. Everything is done, but there's no order to it. It's not decently in an order. It's chaotic. And because of that, there are some who, uh, you know, Christians, people who love Jesus that say, you know what, that can't be of the Lord. The gifts aren't of today. And what they are doing, they're reacting in the extreme to abuses. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We want to look at what the Bible says and we want to be open to what the Bible says. Now, some of those who say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly this gift, are not for today and that on this particular day that we're reading about in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, that the purpose of the gift of tongues was for evangelism, that this was evangelistic in nature. And I say this, if that were the case, There would have been no reason whatsoever for Peter when the people came and said, what in the world is going on? We hear these guys speaking these wonderful things about God. There wouldn't have been any reason whatsoever for Peter to then need to preach a sermon about Jesus and the crucifixion and give an evangelistic message. All he would have had to do was to give an invitation. But that's not what he does. 
You read the rest of the book of Acts chapter 2, and Peter says, hey, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of. This is what was prophesied. And then he starts teaching them about Jesus, and they come to the place where they're like, what do we need to do to be saved? If, if, this was, if they were evangelizing in tongues, Peter wouldn't have needed to preach. So again, that's an attempt of somebody to try to explain this away because you know they, they want to say that it's not for today, that it was just for that particular occasion. Now, turn back to 1 Corinthians 14. We were in 12, now go to 14. And we're going to look at this chapter where Paul gives a very, kind of breaks down this gift in great detail. In fact, he gives more detail to this than maybe all of the gifts. And I think partly because he doesn't want us, God doesn't want us to be confused. So Paul says this, verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now that's a key. God wants us to desire these things. He wants us to be open to them. But love's the key. Why? Because Paul will say knowledge builds up, but excuse me, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And it's, it's that heart of love for my brothers and sisters that makes me want to be somebody that God can work with and that God can use. So he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, the Spirit, or in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies or builds up, is what that word means, the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So let's first of all consider, as Paul lays this out, the uniqueness of the gift of tongues, and then we also want to consider the purpose of the gift of tongues. Let's start with the uniqueness. The uniqueness is this. Paul says that the person who speaks in tongues is speaking, is not speaking to men, but he's speaking to God. Whereas the other gifts that we've talked about, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, are gifts where the person who is exercising them is speaking to men. They're speaking to the church. They're speaking to believers. The second thing that is unique about this gift is the person who speaks with tongues, Paul says, edifies himself. It's, a, it's the one gift that has a personal edification, a personal building up attached to it. Whereas the other gifts, Paul says, edify or build up the church. So in the context, Paul says, of the church, which he's writing about here, this would make tongues the least of all the gifts. Because unless there's an interpretation, there's no edification for the body. There's no building up of the body, but in the context of the individual believer, it can be the best because it builds up the believer. 
So that's what's unique about the gift of tongues. Now let's consider what he says about its purpose. And let's note three things that we see here in chapter 14. First of all, it's given by God to aid the believer in his expression of praise and thanksgiving. Look at verse 15. Paul says this, I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my understanding also. So Paul is saying, there's times where I sing in the Spirit. I sing in tongues. He uses it in his praise. He uses it in his, his expression to God. Secondly, it's given by God to aid the believer in prayer. He says again in verse 15, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will, all, I will pray with the understanding also. Paul's saying, look, there's times when I am praying in the Spirit. I don't know what I'm saying, but I I believe that God's working in this. But there's other times I pray with my understanding. I know exactly what I'm saying. Now, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 26, Paul gives us this insight when he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, the prayer is not an instrument whereby our will is accomplished. The purpose of prayer is really to see God's will accomplished on earth. The problem sometimes, though, is I don't always know what his will is. I don't know what his will is on on every situation. There are times, I know you've been there, where I, I I don't know how to pray. I'm at a loss for words. I feel overwhelmed. And it's in times like that, that praying in the Spirit is very, very appropriate. I've had times when I've been at somebody's house on their, when, when they're on their deathbed. And their family's all gathered around. Or we're at the hospital. And, and, and the, the family is like so much wanting them to survive. Wanting them to, to make it. You know, to pull through. You know, they don't want to see them go. And I'm praying, and oftentimes, I'm not doing this out loud, but I'm doing this kind of, you know, between me and the Lord. I'm praying in tongues because I don't know what God's will is. Like, Lord, do you, are you ready to take him home, or, or you know, do you want to touch him? And so I have no idea. I can't discern that. And so I find myself just praying in, in my prayer language during times like that. So it's used to praise the Lord. It's used in prayer for intercession when when you don't know how to pray. And it's also used as a weapon. You see, according to Ephesians chapter 6, that chapter um, that we'll get to in our Sunday morning study eventually, um, we're getting closer, um, but we'll get there and we'll see that Paul talks about the armor of God that we're to put on, our weapons, the weapons of our warfare, and there are two primary weapons that are offensive that he mentions there in Ephesians chapter 6. One is the word of God that he calls the sword of the spirit, and the other is prayer. Specifically, where he says in verse 18, praying always in the Spirit. 
Now, praying in the Spirit can mean praying according to the Spirit, in line with the Spirit, but I believe in that particular reference, it it can refer to, it can be a reference to praying in tongues. And I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10 when he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so this gift of tongues can also be used as as part of our weaponry in combating the attacks of the enemy. So the uniqueness of the gift is that it edifies me, it builds up me, the purpose to aid the believer in his praise of God, to aid the believer in, in his prayer to God, in his intercession for others, and to help us in the spiritual battle. Now let's consider the use of this gift in the body of Christ, in gatherings like this. And this is what Paul begins to address in verse 5 of chapter 14. Paul says this, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Why? Because that would be great for you. It edifies you. It builds you up. But even more that you prophesied. Why? Because that's great for the church. That builds up the church. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul, once again, is telling us here that prophecy, that declaring of God's heart, that declaring of God's word, takes precedence over the gift of tongues because the person, when a person is speaking forth prophecy, everybody can understand it. And the purpose of the gifts in the context of the church is for the body to be built up. That's its purpose. That's its focus. Now, it's interesting that Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. That means that not everyone does. Not everyone did. Now, some people ask, why is that? To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I know some people will like to say, they'll say, well, the reason you don't speak in tongues is because you lack faith. And I don't think that's entirely true. I think it can be somebody's lack of faith in getting them to want to kind of take that step. But I don't think that 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 can be a, a cruel thing to say. But people struggle with this. Maybe you've struggled with this. If Paul says that this is something that, that builds me up, that is going to edify me, why, want, why wouldn't God give that to me? And again, I don't know the reason for that except what we read earlier that God's sovereign and the Holy Spirit's sovereign and he knows what is best. So I don't know for sure on that. And I, if that frustrates you, I'm sorry. But um, I don't think that there's a clear answer in Scripture as to why that is. But Paul makes it clear that the main purpose of the gifts is to build up the body. So if tongues is expressed publicly, he's going to tell us that it need, or he's told us that it needs to be accompanied with this second gift that he calls the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now, Paul's going to use 
three simple illustrations in verses 6 through 12 to make this point. That there needs to be an understanding if there's going to be a building up in the spiritual ministry taking place of this gift. Notice verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues... What shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether it be the flute or a harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? And so likewise, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. And even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification or the building up of the church that you seek to excel. Here's Paul's point. He uses musical instruments, trumpet calls to battle, and daily conversation. And he says, look, if the musical instrument does not give a clear, distinct sound, nobody's going to recognize the music that's being played. They're going to be like, what is that? And then he says, and if the trumpet sound isn't clear, the soldiers aren't going to know if the call is to charge into battle or if it's to retreat. And then he says, and there's many languages in the world, but if I can't understand, who cares? It's of no use to me. And any of you who have ever been on a mission trip before to a non-English speaking country, you, can, you know how frustrating that can be, right? You're trying to communicate, like you want to know, where's the bathroom, you know? And, and you're trying to explain, and they have like no idea what you're saying. They're like just looking with that dumb look on their face. Or they're trying to point you to where the coffee is, you know, because they think that's what you're saying. I've had experiences where I've been, you know, teaching, and praise God when we've gone to, you know, places like Russia, or recently I was in El Salvador, or down in, you know, Hungary, that we speak through translators. But even sometimes that's not good. I remember I was in Seged years ago. I'm teaching a Bible study at the church in Seged through an interpreter, and there's people, some people in the audience who knew both Hungarian and who knew English, and I'm talking, I say something, and then the interpreter says something, and some of them are going, that's not what he said. Now, that's a hard thing to deal with when you're a Bible teacher, like you're looking at, I mean, I never wanted a Bible study to be over quick, more quickly than that, you know, it was like, the whole time, people are like shaking their head, like, he's not getting it right, you know. I actually had one guy once, when I, first time I ever went to Yugoslavia, this guy was translating for me, and I would say, you know, and so Jesus went down to the Jordan River and was baptized by John, and this guy would like, talk for like three minutes you know like he would just you know I'm like and I looked at him finally after a little I go I, I go did, did I really say all of that and this is what he said I'm greatly improving upon what you are saying <laughs> so Paul's saying look if I don't know what you're saying it's of no use to me you know it's it's a horrible situation to be in you know um, it's very, very frustrating. And no one is built up. 
And this is his point. So tongues, if it's going to benefit the body, it needs to be accompanied with interpretation. So he says in verse 13, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now that tells us something there. That tells us that the gift of the interpretation of tongues, and what is that? It's a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit in that moment to be able to interpret the tongue that was just uttered. It doesn't mean that, oh, I, I know that language and, and you know, this is, you know, I, I can interpret. No, it's, it's, it's supernatural. Again, it takes a step of faith. It takes a sense where suddenly somebody speaks in a tongue or you're the person that speaks you know, in a tongue and God gives you an interpretation of that. Where you're like, okay, I took this step of faith. And, and for me, whenever I've done this, I've always been like, Lord, let somebody else have the gift of interpretation. Like, you know, because it takes that step of faith. But sometimes God, the person who spoke it, God gives him. He has to take that step of faith that, hey, this is what is, is saying. And, and he's interpreting the language that he doesn't know. And he's never, you know, possibly never even heard before. But again, here's what I want you to catch. Because the gift of tongues is speaking to God, that's what the interpretation is going to be. It's going to be directed to God. It's going to be directed to God in the form of praise, in the form of prayer, in the form of a declaration of who God is. It's not going to be directed to men. And this is the big mistake that often happens with this gift. Somebody will speak in tongues, and the pastor will ask, this is, we're going to wait and see if there's an interpretation. And then somebody will say this, thus says the Lord, O my people. And they start talking to the people. That's not what the gift of tongues is. That might be a prophecy, but that's not the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues is going to be that which is directed towards God. Tongue speaks to God and not to man. Paul makes that very, very clear. Now, the interpreter can be the person who spoke the tongue. Like I said, let him pray that he may interpret. Or it could be, and we'll see this a little further on, it could be somebody else in the gathering. And this is why the interpretation is so important. Look at verse 14. Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who will occupies the place of the uninformed, the person who doesn't know that language, in other words, be able to say amen at your giving of thanks. Again, giving of thanks directed towards God. Since he does not understand what you say. For indeed, you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. And this led Paul to say, so verse 18, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul used his prayer language a lot. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words with the tongue. Why? Because Paul's heart was, I want the body, I want the church to be built up when I'm speaking. So here's the conclusion I think we can derive from this. Is that the gift of tongues is best used 
It's best used in private between you and the Lord. That's when it's best used. I know in my own personal experience, this happens to me in times when I'm having a very personal time with the Lord. Maybe it's just my time in the Word, and then I'm just kind of having this time of prayer. I'm just having this little time of worship with Him. And I just feel overwhelmed. And I'll find myself just being moved to speak in my prayer language. Or as I said, there's times when I find myself just so overwhelmed with something and unable to pray that I find myself just praying in that prayer language. But I think in, because of what Paul lays out here that this gift is most appropriate in that private use, but that doesn't mean that it can't be used in the church. But Paul gives us guidelines if it is going to be used in the church setting, and that's what he deals with in verses 26 to 33. Let's look at that real quickly. He says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, that each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. So Paul's saying, look, this is okay. If anyone speaks in a tongue, but here's his guidelines. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all be be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. So here's the guidelines that he gives. Verse 27, two or three at the most and with an interpretation. Verse 28, he says, if there's no interpretation, then we need to keep silent. And here's what that tells us. That tells us that the person with the gift of tongues has control. You know, some people, they, they'll say, oh, I just couldn't help it. You know, the Holy Spirit just got a hold of my tongue and it just started going. And Paul says, no, no, no. You have control. You, you can exercise this and not exercise this. It's not like the Holy Spirit has this power over your tongue. Now, I want to explain as we kind of wrap this up, what this kind of would look like in our setting. So let's say tonight, for instance, we're having this time of waiting upon the Lord. Eddie's up here playing some songs. We have a pause. And we say, okay, we're just going to give this time to wait upon the Lord. And if somebody has, you know, a word or somebody has a, you know, word of knowledge or a prophecy or a tongue, you you know, feel free to share that. And let's say somebody exercises that gift of tongues. At that moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, let's just wait now. Let's pause. Let's wait. Or we're going to sing a song and let's just kind of pause and wait. And we're going to see if there's somebody here that God has given that gift of interpretation. And if there isn't, then I will say, I'm going to ask that anybody else here with the gift of tongues refrain from speaking that because it doesn't seem that the Lord's giving that gift of interpretation tonight. And so we wouldn't do that. But in a beautiful setting, and it's really awesome when it happens, is you know somebody speaks a tongue and somebody else gives that interpretation and, and we're all blessed. We're all encouraged um, by that. Now, 
a really quick story that I heard John Corson share once when he was leading the Bible college up in the mountains. And they uh, wanted to do their Sunday night meeting off campus. And so they were meeting at a hotel in Lake Arrowhead. And the hotel had a rule that if they were going to meet in the ballroom there at the hotel, the bartender had to be on duty. Now, they were meeting there for church. <laughs> they weren't, you know, drinking. But the bartender's back there the whole time, and he's just washing glasses and this type of thing. And this happened. Somebody spoke in tongues. And Pastor John said, okay, I'm going to ask to see if there's anybody who has a gift of interpretation tonight. Nobody did. So he said, okay, I'm going to ask that nobody else speaks in tongues, and nobody else did. But after the meeting was over, the bartender walked up to him, and he told him, he says, you know what? He goes, that... <laughs> was amazing what happened tonight. He said, because I'm Arab, and he told him the language that he spoke. And he said, that person was declaring in that language, my language, he was declaring that Jesus is God. (laughs) That Jesus is Lord. And that guy got saved (laughs) that night, you know? And Paul actually goes further in here to talk about that that's, how this gift can be used and an unbeliever can be touched is when it's accompanied with the interpretation that an unbeliever comes in and he hears it and he's like, you know, how did they know my language? And that's exactly what happened on that particular night. So why is that important though? Why is it important that, you know, there has to be interpretation, that there has to be, you know, this structure that Paul lays out? Well, because he tells us, if you jump down to verse 33, is that God wants order, that he's not the author of confusion. And in verse 40, as I said before, he said, let all things be done decently and in order. And here's what Paul tells us. We're going to jump back just for a minute and then we'll close is in verse 23 and 20 through 25, really, Paul tells us, here's what it happens. Here's here's the confusion, the chaos that can happen when these guidelines aren't followed. Notice what he says. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Yeah, you know, they're coming and go, what are these people doing? What are they blabbing? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now look at verse 22. Therefore... Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. That sounds like a contradiction, but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Here's the understanding of this. You got to take the context. Paul is talking here about tongues with interpretation. That's what makes it the sign to the unbeliever, is when it's accompanied with the interpretation. So, as we wrap up, Do all speak with tongues? No. Paul tells us that. Is it something that all of us should desire? Yes. Paul says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. How do you receive the gift of tongues? 
the same way you receive any of the gifts you ask. And Paul talks about, if you guys, he gives this analogy, you guys being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, won't the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's the great Father. So we ask. We ask, Lord. And Jesus says, you know, and keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. The Bible says that, that Jesus said that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you keep on seeking him. Either until he just tells you, you know what, you don't need to ask for this anymore. Or he gives it to you. In other words, it doesn't happen all the time, all at once. But you ask. You keep on asking. And then you take a step of faith. There's no manipulation. You know, I had a friend once who, you know, they're, they're saying, okay, you know, here's, just start saying, I want a Honda, I want a Honda, I want a, you know. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. Sometimes you can feel pressure. I had a friend, you know, once that they're all praying and, and, and you know, they want her to get this gift and they're all praying in tongues and, and she just, because she felt like I needed to say something, she's saying, you know, I love cheeseburgers, I love cheeseburgers, you know, the whole time. You know, no, there's no manipulation in this. But here's often how it happens. You're in a moment where suddenly there are phrases coming into your mind that you don't know, you don't recognize. And you have to take it that step of faith to say, okay, I believe this is God giving me a prayer language. And so you just start sharing, speaking those. You just start saying those. And again, you know, your mind's going to tell you this is stupid, this is crazy, this is nuts. But your spirit embraces and says, you know what, no, I believe this is what God, this is what he's talking about. And so I'm going to speak this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to utter this. And, and what you'll, as you do that, what you'll discover is it'll, your, your vo- vocabulary that you don't know what it is is going to expand. There's going to be, it might start with one word. That's how it started with me. But then it expands and it grows and it becomes more words and, and, and all of that. And so it's, it's that taking that gift. And so I would encourage you um, to do that. And tonight as we, um, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask Eddie to come back up right now. And, and um, we're going to begin to worship. And as we begin to worship, I'm going to have our pastors and elders be back by the communion tables. And we're going to begin just by going right into if you want to go and, and receive you know, communion. And if you have a need tonight, a physical need, and you want prayer for healing, um, pastors and elders uh, will be back there available to lay hands on you, pray for you. But if you desire, if you're like, you know what, I'd really like to receive you know, this gift of, of, of tongues, ask them to pray for you for that, to lay hands on you for that. And then as you come back and you sit down at your seat and if you, as we're worshiping and you just start sensing like, you know, these phrases, just start speaking that to yourself and believe that and believe tonight that God is giving you that gift and then just start using it as he leads you, as he guides you in your, in your prayer time. And if, if so, in, as we're waiting on the Lord, if God so leads somebody to speak in tongues tonight, then we'll, we'll wait and see, you know, if there's an interpretation. But let's just give um, the rest of this time to the Lord. Sound good? Okay. Lord, we thank you for your gifts. 
We thank you, Lord, for what you give to us that enables us and helps us to grow in you and to build up the body of Christ and aid us in our prayer and and our praise of you. And and Lord, I, I know that you desire our heart to be not one of, of speculation, but one of just desiring and believing that you are a good father and that we want all that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be our heart tonight. And, Lord, I pray that, that as we spend this time waiting upon you, that you would, even now, just bless brothers and sisters who've never, ever experienced this gift that they would experience tonight, that they would receive it tonight. And so we give you this time now. In Jesus' name, amen.